Hey, this is Chip from Teacher Breath. As teachers, we know we've got the best job in the world, and most of what we do is for kids. This podcast, however, is not. This is more like hitting happy hour with your teacher friends at the end of the week. We take education seriously, but this is meant to be lighthearted and fun. So with that said, maybe grab a drink, take a breath, and enjoy. Of kids, Burger I, King Kids Club, like oh, the most yeah, diverse yeah. club. The most there was. <laughs> am time. I am I wrong in saying that there was a kid in a wheelchair and his name was Wheels? Yep, that's exactly wow. right. <laughs> oh, oh yep. so wrong. Then you had the nerd, the redheaded nerd, and his name I think was IQ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Wheels. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's like a great little microcosm of uh, like '90s diversity yes. Like yeah. push. Um, it was like we've got a black one and a kid in a wheelchair, and here's the cool white kid. Yeah. Like who's blonde, obviously, yeah. right? right. And has right. cool the spikes. Aryan kid has <laughs> <laughs> cool spikes. He's all about shell. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my students the other day about puka shell necklaces, no. and they were like, no, they were, "What?" what? <laughs> You're like, you know, Hollister. They're like, hmm? <laughs> "You're like, you know, no shirts outside." Yeah. Right. Right. Although, but they sell clothes. Yeah. <laughs> but not black. Yeah. Or was that Abercrombie? I went to Abercrombie one time as an angsty teen because like, some of my girlfriends were into that. And I was like, oh, my. I want to go to Hot Topic, but fine, I'll right. go here. And I was like, I'll just like get something black. And she turns and looks at me. And she's like, they don't sell black at Abercrombie. And I was like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Yeah. Uh, they don't I sell black? I never she's like, you can that. get navy. I was like, I'm not looking for navy. Yeah, for right. black. I want black. Yeah. Gotta go to Hot Topic for that. Gotta go to Hot yeah. Topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Spencer's. Yep. Or Spencer's, sure. They sold some of that stuff too. For yeah. that raunchy. Mm-hmm. Right. Those raunchy black t shirts. Raunchy black t shirts. Yeah. And like gummy penises. <laughs> <laughs> Licorice thongs in the yeah. back. Of the yeah. worst exactly. part about bachelorette parties are the gummy penises. <laughs> Penis-oriented straws. I'm just like, I'm not putting my mouth on that. Right. Like, what is that I'll just about? drink out of the side of the cup. Yeah, right. <laughs> Men are not doing this with vaginas. Right. Yeah, nobody's like, all right. Nobody's like, I got clams your... for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> drink out of your vagina glass. <laughs> it's got your name on it. <laughs> this is going to get cut out. <laughs> it might not. This part is. <laughs> this might not. NSFW, guys. Right. Well, hey, it, uh, we're listed as explicit content. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I mean, we can jump right in, I guess. Okay, so, cool. Hello, and welcome to episode five of Teacher Breath. I'm Chip. I'm your host. Uh, with me today, we have two very special guests. I've got my good friend and colleague, Mr. D. Hello. That's, <laughs> that's when you say something. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me here. Great. And returning friend of the podcast, Ms. Quinn. Year. <laughs> take two. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with a ho ho ho. Oh yeah. We are in the, the holiday episode. In the, yeah, right. This is the holiday episode. This is the holiday episode. So mm-hmm. we are in the thralls of the holiday season. Woohoo! That's the correct usage of that word, right? Thralls. Yeah. I'm here for it. SAT word of the day. Yep. Boom. Uh, it's vaguely sexual sounding, but it's just not. <laughs> Doesn't that sound sexual? We're in the thralls of something? Thralling. I don't know. I could see it in erotic literature. Yeah, thralls. Mm. In the thralls of it? Or Mm. throws? 
Throws. Throws. Those are before you die, I think. Mm-hmm. The only usage is related to death. Thank mm-hmm. you for listening to our podcast. It's all <laughs> yeah. about death. It's all about death. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Christmas and death. <laughs> um, but we are in the thralls of the holiday season. Yes, we are. And uh, in schools, sometimes that's a very big thing, and sometimes it's not a very big thing at all. Um, I remember in, I mean, elementary school when I was a kid, I mean, teachers went all out then. I think since then it's only gotten kind of crazier, what with social media and Pinterest, and you can kind of visibly brag about what you're doing in your classroom. Um, I think people go all out these days, although we are all working in a middle school and we're subject-specific teachers. So how does that look in your classrooms, the holidays? Do you do anything special or? Well, for me, I just put on a holiday movie usually. Um, Try to take it easy, you know, just try to get the kids to get into the holiday spirits a little bit, mellow out, you know, just I want a day to myself where I can just take things easy for myself, you know? Sure. So that's the day before break. You right. Just yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, decorating all that stuff is just a lot of work, and then you got to take it all down by yourself, too. So right, be a bit of a hassle. I will say when I taught younger students, I tried to be a little more festive because they appreciate it more. Yeah. Like I had my mom, of course, would buy me like little snowman thing and I'd like hang them around the classroom and did the same thing for Halloween. But sometimes in middle school it hits or just super misses. And I feel like our kids might not get it or even really kind of care. Right. Um, and I don't know. As a teacher, I'm not really big into like free time, movie time, because I know that sometimes chaos erupts. Like oh, if yeah. I'm showing you a movie, we just finished a book and I'm showing parts of the movie but I'm going to stop and ask questions and I'm going to like try to connect it and have kids think critically about it. Like I'm not the type to just put on something and chill out. Right. Um, Which is annoying to them, but you know, I don't care. Yeah. No, I mean, um, that's, that's always kind of like a hotly debated topic. Like do you show movies on downtime and on days when you know you're not going to get anything done or do you give some kind of vocabulary word search type situation or something Mm -hmm. like that? In the past, what I've done, I have uh, put on a movie or maybe just watch like holiday specials of cartoons or something like that. And then the original Grinch is fantastic. Yeah, the original Mm -hmm. Grinch. I'll say that. And it's short. I feel like it's like a 40 minute thing. I've done that in the past. Mm -hmm. In the past few years, I've gone out and gotten like uh, the box of hot chocolate from Dunkin' Donuts or. Okay, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll just kind of. And we've, I've also done it with certain classes because some classes, like you said, I know can't even sit there for a 45-minute episode of something or whatever. And so I'll just get the hot chocolate and we'll have sort of a working holiday That's party. Cute. Like you're, you're still working on math stuff, but you're at least enjoying hot chocolate. Like you don't usually get this, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's less of a thing, I guess, in, in middle school and yeah. high school, obviously. And I feel like even in middle school, the kids are trying to flex their intellectual capability by, I've had kids telling me, well, I have the freedom of speech and this is a public school, so we should not be discussing politics. And my grandmother said that in, and like try to hit you with like the, you might be violating some unwritten norm. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, I'm not even going to get into anything about something that could be considered favoring one culture over another because yeah. right. I don't want that to trickle down and have a parent who is 
Islamic or a parent who is Jewish, even. Yeah, yeah. And just, just not from something I'm talking about and have it seem like I'm on some soapbox trying to right. talk about taking the love of Jesus into your heart or whatever, right. you know, some, right. something would be when it's like, no, like you said before, it is about the spirit. It's about just thinking about other people and being kind. Yeah. You know? Right. And just like, and it, that's probably just a, Aroused to get us right. to not feel freezing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep, that's keep, it. Keep us yeah. warm inside while it's yeah. freezing outside. Well, I've always said that these holidays should come later in winter because it's barely cold out, and you know right. you're through all the holidays, and then you've got to fucking sit through February. <laughs> like that's <laughs> brutal. Not to mention March. Just yeah, non-stop. March. Oh my god. I mean, I do know another teacher at our school right now at the moment. She's planning on like um, having kids like write little notes to each other. Just like one little positive thing, and yeah. then afterwards, um, they just they can write it on a card, or they make their own cards and stuff like that. And then the day before the holiday break, they were going just to read it to themselves, read it out loud, and just read that one thing that another student in their class wrote about them. That's nice. You yeah, know? it's really hard to see that. You know, usually kids usually just keep cutting on each other all the time and mm-hmm. just saying like really mean things. So an occasional message of kindness is you know refreshing yeah definitely um yeah something like that's a really cool uh, Mm -hmm. activity to like kind of Mm -hmm. you know incorporate in the holiday season and all that it's free it's the best part it's free free. (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and we're at a pretty religiously diverse school true but i've got uh muslim kids running up to me like can you put on christmas music while we're working and I will put on, uh, you know, like the Charlie Brown Christmas mm. album. It's, Vince Geraldi. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I put it on Amazon and I don't <laughs> read. <laughs> I can teach you. I, I look for the Peanuts gang ice skating around a Christmas tree. So good. And uh, that's the one I click. But um, uh, I'll put that on and it's all instrumental. So <laughs> there's nothing being said, nothing right. to, you know, whatever. So that's pretty much the extent of the... Uh, holiday celebrations although uh, again i've got kids running up to me asking like can we do a secret santa can we do this and that and i think some of our kids are doing a secret santa actually i think yeah some of my students definitely organize their own yeah exactly yeah you need like one uh one student to sort of like one real responsible that like oh you forgot to sign us homework student (laughs) so like uh to take the reins of that one and yeah. really make that happen and stay on top of everybody and all that. Oh, I did, uh, I saw on one of the various um, educator Instagrams that I follow, um, there was this one thing for Thanksgiving where this woman filled up these like brown paper bags with basically, I guess, her own homemade sort of checks mix type oh, situation. Wow. So she filled up these brown paper bags and then like arranged them so that they vaguely uh, make the shape of a turkey mm. and had like, you know, uh, white cardboard tubes sticking out as like the, the drumstick and stuff like that. And um, and so she had this whole spread uh, where she like cut into the paper bag and then like all this Chex Mix is in there and she gives like a scoop of Chex Mix to all their students wow. and stuff like that. It that's was really adorable. cute. Yeah, it was really cool. That's elementary school for sure. Right, that's exactly. Totally <laughs> um, sometimes I see stuff like that and I'm like, ah, oh, elementary school. Yeah. I think I could go do that. Yeah. Yeah.
Hey guys, I just want to take a second to thank those of you that have taken the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at TeacherBreathPod. And as always, thanks to everyone for listening. So, a little bit of current events. D, would you like to actually uh, spearhead? Sure. Like about a few weeks ago, um, there was a report that came out that after like 10 years of money and time and research put into No Child Left Behind and Common Core State Standards, um, the results came out and found that like none of the kids in the United States really made any growth in reading or in math. Yeah. It's interesting because um, I grew up in the era of No Child Left Behind, uh, not really for Common Core, but definitely No Child Left Behind. And I recall all the standardized tests, the nonstop regions and state exams that I had to go through too. And now as a byproduct of No Child Left Behind, it's like wondering like, wow, that was a waste of time and money. And uh, well, I went to college. So I mean, right. kind of worked, I guess. These reports are based on the test scores. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a decline, I believe, in proficiency in reading. Yeah. I think that one of the reports saying like something like, 15 year olds are not even reading at where like a 10 year old should be or something like that mm. and then they were saying like kids didn't make any much growth compared to the reading and math levels back in the year 2000 is there any growth like, like very like very little to no growth yeah so imagine like billions and billions of dollars just poured in and you just have like a boop just one little percent increase it's like right. wow that's i think it? i think some of the bigger issue is what you hear a lot of parents say like we just had parent teacher conference mm -hmm. both of my brothers are dads and you hear them say like well i don't know how to help them with this math like right it's all the new math and it's all the new this and that and like like you just said we're products of that generation so yeah. in many ways we are being asked to teach in ways that we have not been educated mm -hmm. even through teacher training multiple degrees certification process we haven't been taught in a way that we're being asked to not only be comfortable in, but to uh, differentiate and reach all different levels of kids, even though we weren't taught that way. Right. So like for me, I'm an auditory learner because I had to be. Mm -hmm. You're spoken at your whole life. And especially in college, I was an English education major and I did art history. Mm -hmm. I'm being lectured all mm -hmm. the time. So I had to write. And now I'm making a PowerPoint. I'm doing multimodal learning. I'm trying to use my body kinesthetically. I'm writing on the board while mm -hmm. using um, visual stimulation on um, an electronic device. And so we are asked to do things that we have are trying to figure out our our damn selves in right. many ways. Yeah. And the thing with the thing with reading is, I was just reading an article about actually Mississippi. There was like a saying that, oh well, at least we're not Mississippi. Yikes. In the United States, saying that they were by far the least, had the lowest um, reading performance rates or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now, fast forward 10 years, I guess it's the same sort of timeline that you were talking about. They have made the most growth because they've approached reading from a scientific perspective. Mm -hmm. Because even now, a lot of people who don't teach understand that there's certain things not being taught in school. They don't really teach phonics. Yeah. They don't teach sounds. They don't teach like certain things like a, what's a diphthong? You know, what are mm -hmm. all these vowel sounds? How do they work? What do they look like? How do I sentence diagram? If you're talking about high school. So there's been so many new ideas that have been thrown in. But what these folks in Mississippi have seen is that there's two um, elements that when added together, increase reading comprehension. It's decoding. Can you look at a word and break it down? Mm -hmm. And then like contextual understanding. 
So even if I don't know what um, provincial means, if I see the word province in there, mm-hmm. and I know in history I've learned about Chinese provinces, mm-hmm. I can maybe understand that, oh, that means like a little section. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help me if the word is like, oh, I feel like this you know, Beauty and the Beast. There must be more than this provincial life. Mm-hmm. If I were to take that line and I use the context, I'd understand like, okay, that's being used negatively. Being provincial means being from a small place. And so Mississippi has understood if you use context and you use decoding altogether, you actually increase reading comprehension. It's like, well, yeah, that's what we do as people. Right, when right. I'm reading the New York Times and I'm reading about the politics going on in mm-hmm. Myanmar and I'm reading about what happened in Sudan, Mm-hmm. and revolution going on over there. I don't know everything about those countries, but I'm using my context, and then I'm looking at word parts and understanding how to put them together. Right. So it, like, that's a more natural approach to reading, but the way that I'm teaching reading is totally different. Yeah. Right, right. Because I'm supposed to be, quote-unquote, following common core. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing about common core, at least in English I can speak to, mm-hmm. is they're just elements of reading that are being packaged in a way that makes it more complicated than it is. Yeah. You need to know how to summarize, how to come up with a theme, Mm -hmm. how to understand figurative language and vocabulary, how to compare a text to a different version of the same story, whether that be in different cultures, whether that be a live performance, whether that be text to film, text to play. And those are just natural things, but they've been made into this like system where all the parents hear Common Core and they go, I hate it. I don't like it. And the teachers go, oh, this is too hard. It's like, it's actually not something different than what's been going on. Right. And maybe right. all these studies and all this money that's been poured in is just a repackaging of the same simple literacy skills right. that kids need to have that are being made out to be, you know, RL 7.3. It's like, that's that's just like vocab. That is. Yeah, right. That's just that figuring is. out how to use your context to sound out a word and, you know, use a word that looks like it to get that meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, it's really frustrating because this is supposed to be the answer. And it's like, well, nothing actually was different. Right. Nothing was changed. It's just a different way of talking about it. Correct. Sure. Correct. I mean, the taught approach to a lot of the, um, like a lot of the math mm-hmm. actually was changed. You know, yes, like, uh, like true. you were saying earlier, this is some stuff that we're, you know, figuring out ourselves because mm-hmm. we were never taught this way. Mm-hmm. And right. I believe Common Core was being introduced while I was going through an education program. So, like, we saw it down the pipeline and yeah. we were able to, you know, plan for it. And, like, yeah. 2010, I think it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even having seen a lot of that today, kids are still coming into the classroom. And I'm like, all right, you know, something as simple as multiply these two three digit numbers. Kids start trying a fucking octagon, and I'm like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> oh, like, I love the array model, <laughs> but like, but that also I mean, doesn't work. Fine. The for array everybody. is okay, right? Can, it but doesn't. It's just there's all. It doesn't work for everybody, right? There right. are plenty of uh, visual models mm-hmm. that right. you know some kids can get immediately, yes. and some kids like right. this makes it so much harder. Mm-hmm. And it's like then don't use it. Yeah, right. this don't. Yeah, it's interesting they mentioned that because this is video that I saw a few days ago. While I was still scrolling through Facebook, but it's something like there was a video of like American math and then versus world math or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's showing how a teacher is like breaking down like a three digit times table or something like that. Yeah. Like 356 times 24. And it was like just showing 
how the number is broken down. Yeah. Every other country just does it the simplest way that we know of, but they don't. But they don't understand the fact that like the purpose of Common Core from from a math perspective was conceptual understanding how right. we're breaking it up into place values. Is it annoying? Yes, it is. But like for a student who's just learning multiplication for the first time, right? It's because we're going back to something that they learned, like the base ten model or yeah. like place values. So yeah, for other places, like it. it you peering into this quote-unquote new math yeah. looks really silly or stupid to you, but we're actually just building on previous concepts that that they've learned. It's not new math. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't expect any kid to do a, do a lattice method with, with multiplication anymore. Right, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, and that's always been what I said as well when, uh, when asked about Common Core, because especially, you know, more so a couple years ago when it was a hotter topic. Yeah. I had every dinner I went to with like anybody. Yeah. They were always like, what do you think of the common core? As if like, we're like on the board that made it. Yeah, right. And just like, I don't even know. Um, but I would always say that like, look, yeah. it's not as, ac- it's actually not as like uh, dumb and change for change sake mm-hmm. uh, as you think it is. It is, it's trying to develop more of a conceptual understanding of these right. topics, these, you know, this math. Uh, and it's not new math. It's not right. like things have changed exactly shit still adds together the way shit adds together yeah Mm -hmm. um it's just the approach is different to kind of get new math students not the ones that already know how to add and multiply and divide and whatever else to understand what exactly is happening here Mm mm-hmm and right. you know, at that point, they would lose interest. They would really just want me to be like, "Yeah, it's bullshit." <laughs> because, but <laughs> yeah. that's also because they don't understand. understand. Right. right. And so, part of part of being a teacher, something I've employed with this book that we just finished, we just read The Giver, which is like a dystopian YA book, classic, written in '94. The kids would ask really good questions, but I'm like, "Well, I didn't write the book, so I can't answer that." Mm-hmm. But, you know, as opposed to being like, I don't know, I was like, oh, I'm going to take all your questions and put them in a little jar. Mm. And like at the end of the book, I'm going to take out all the questions and read them all. Because realistically, what that meant was, I don't know how to answer your question. And as opposed to being like, I don't know, let's move on. I was like, oh, those are those are valid. Mm. Let's discuss them. Let's use them as a jump off point. And I feel like not enough teachers are willing to admit that they don't really know what's going on well something like the giver and like those good questions how much of that can you be like well that's up for interpretation like this is actually art so Mm -hmm. that's literally something i say all the time and i use it as a selling point for the subject because they're all like i don't get it and i'm like you can take the same quotation from a book and you can explain it either way right Mm -hmm. like we had a debate actually d came in um whether this dystopian community was protecting their citizens or controlling them yeah and i was like you can i can give you one quotation and each side can take it in the way that they want to. And that's a mm, good thing. Right. I'm like, honestly, that's why I'm always attracted to artistic, you know, endeavors because mm-hmm. they're interpreted differently in all the ways that right. they're interpreted are usually valid. Unless, you know, you're just saying some wacky stuff that is yeah, totally right. off the mark. But I don't know where that came from. Oh, yeah. being yeah. able to humble yourself to to know whether or not you can actually answer a student's right. question. Mm-hmm. Especially older teachers, like teachers who have been in the work yeah. for 20 plus years. They're not going to be able to explain the concept behind or the zero placeholder. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it there? And it's like, oh, well, there's no ones values. So you have to move to the tens place. Right. And then if there's no tens, because you're starting with the third digit, which is actually the hundreds. Yeah. And I, I also feel like some kids that clicks and some kids are like, I don't care. Don't tell me that. Right. I'm mm-hmm. always going to use a standard algorithm. Yeah. Or I'm yes. always going to use a tape diagram. Right. right I'm yeah. always going to use this. Well, all kids are always going to use the thing that they think works best for them, even if there's something that might work better for them. Yeah. yeah. I also just want to point out that's Quinn taking 
a hard stance against older teachers, not <laughs> teacher <laughs> breath that does yeah. not reflect the opinions of the podcast. False, fake news, <laughs> libel, <laughs> smearing my name. Defamation. <laughs> I'm not going to testify if I'm called in. So, <laughs> Am I getting impeached? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, other things is that like, I feel like Common Core was also rolled out so poorly, though. Right. I just remember... Um, it didn't it was, have good PR. It, oh, yeah. It's no, such really terrible PR. Really it's bad like, PR. It wasn't like, it wasn't streamlined in where it's like, okay, we'll start Common Core with this first group of students. They mm. just were like, all right, here you go. Poof. Everyone do Common Core. And mm. it's like, the teacher's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, if your teachers don't know what you're what they're doing, right, they're not, point. it's well, like, well, what is it? Like, sometimes even, even like, school admins say if you don't look like you're bought into something the kids aren't going to be bought into it the kids aren't bought in the parents aren't going to be bought in so automatically teachers weren't bought in administrators weren't bought in students weren't bought in parents weren't brought in so it was you just added like more crap on top of crap on top of crap so but actually that that made me think of um at a previous school I was trying to loop in our social studies educator to work with the ELA team mm-hmm. because essentially we're, we're working on the same set of skills, critical right. thinking, inferencing, um, prediction, you know, all of these critical thinking skills right. to be repetitive. Yeah. But when you look at the common core standards, they're only for English and math. And I think the worst shift that has been created is this hyper attention on ELA and math as if they stand right. alone. Yeah. As if ELA is not social studies and as if math is not science right. and backwards. And so then you have this shift in schools where all of us here sit at the, sitting at this table teach more. They, we have the same kids for more time than other teachers because in some schools, more is more. Yeah. And so more time means more learning. When in reality, you walk into some of these extra, extra blocks, kids are on computers, you're doing random things to pass the time. Or for me, in the beginning of the year, when I was trying to find my stride, I'm making up the work that I didn't finish in the previous block. Right. Or, you know, you're doing independent reading, which is important, but do we need to do that in school? Right. Or do we need to do that for an hour in school? When they could be spending a little more time on whatever science project they have. And like, you know, actually fleshing that out and actually having that be legitimized. And then schools that are valuing these tests, they, they make it okay for... English and math teachers to go into these classes. Oh, a kid needs to finish a test. Grab him from social studies. Yeah, right. Grab him from, you know, science. Well, again, that kind of goes back to Dee's point about how it was just so poorly rolled out because that's not in the framework of it. Like, it doesn't say anywhere, like, spend 90 minutes on math and 90 minutes on ELA. Right. Right? It's just these particular schools decided, like, we're going to fucking throw everything we can at math and ELA because we need to get those scores, baby. Right. And that's what leads to taking away from social studies, taking away from science. But if you look at the actual standards, the standards for social studies are clumped six through eight and they're basic. Yes. Yeah. But yes. I'm going to have 11, excuse me, like nine different ones right. and they all with change grade to grade. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. With, with mm-hmm. multiple substandards. Yeah. The lower you go, the more substandards. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the social studies educator is what being let off the hook or not held to a standard. How is that fair for anybody, including the educator? Everyone wants to feel like they're challenged. And if you're just like, oh, we're just doing DBQs. Meanwhile, I'm in here talking about the most specific thing because it's standard number seven. When like, if you're going to revamp, 
revamp everything holistically right. and it's lacked that mm-hmm. holistic approach right mm-hmm. you guys were mentioning about like how kids are being pulled from other classes for for this testing that testing but we also we also have to remember like a lot of these uh, there are other teachers like those who teach art those who teach drama and oh music God, yeah. so many jobs were just cut absolutely be- because of mm-hmm. this need to just do standardized testing and i think one thing that makes us us as American teachers and as American students different than the rest of the world is that um, like for like when I'm looking at the PISA test scores right like consistently like like South Korea Japan China they, they they rank above the United States because they do standardized testing and that was the norm since like the beginning of time that's just not us that's just not who we are in the united states we weren't built on that type of approach mm. so we are trying to copy something that other countries do that's successful successful for them but that doesn't mean it's successful for us so we like what's what is something that makes the american education system vastly unique compared to those of south korea or japan and that's that is what's going to make us more unique and that's what's going to help cater to our students here we shouldn't be basing it upon what other countries do um that also comes back to culturally how we approach an individual in those societies there's a lot more collectivism there's a lot more we yes there's a lot more unification and we're far more fractured in america and specifically where Everybody is different, and that's an asset. Yes. And when I when I try to teach things like authors craft, how an author writes, they're using certain techniques. Why am I not being able to speak with an artist or you know a musician who talks about oh, in terms of style, Mm -hmm. here's you know pointillism. This is expressionism. Mm -hmm. This is impressionism. This is realism. You know, this is um, cubism. Yeah, Yeah. like any like how I'm trying to think of what did jazz music? Oh, improvisation. Those are styles. And if kids stop seeing all this compartmentalization and they see that everything is connected, yeah. then they get a better conceptual understanding. Right. Yes. Then they're not just thinking, oh, this is ELA. It's just books we read here. Like, no, it's art. And art includes music. It includes movement. Mm-hmm. It includes um, drama. Mm-hmm. It includes all these things that are not ancillary. They're integral to actually understanding what it means to have a theme. Right. Because a theme of individuality is going to relate to everything Mm -hmm. when that got cut for more money and more educators in the fields of literacy and math everything else fell by the wayside without seeing that those things actually build one another up right Right. they do well that's that holistic approach that you're talking about like you know everything kind of comes together um and i can't tell you how many times i've had pushback from students just you know the the usual amount that you would expect when I try to focus a lesson on annotating word problems. Yeah. And one of the biggest hurdles mm. that I have as a math teacher is getting these kids to actually read word problems. We go Amen. through our data after every exam, and time after time, we find that uh, our lowest performing items, like test items, the misconception that we come up with is did not read. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like did not read thoroughly. If given math problem after math problem, they would be scoring much higher mm-hmm. uh, than if they're given word problems and they're actually, you know, meant to decode these problems. And, you know, and obviously that's the more difficult element, in my opinion, because anybody can learn to divide two numbers, you know. But then the same goes in ELA. When I'm teaching them statistical approaches and when I'm teaching them how to, you know, use math in a way of saying like, 
you know, let's say you have 10 questions here. If you're not sure about two of them, focus your attention on the eight, because then you're definitely going to get that eight out of 10. And they're just like, what? Mm. Why are you talking about math? Right, right. I'm like, you got four choices. If one of them is half right, and as soon as I bring numbers into the conversation, they're like, nah, that's math. Yeah, right. As if I'm not using data-driven instruction and reading numbers right. and then doing the same thing that everyone else is, right. looking at these misconceptions and coming back to saying like, oh, well, they didn't understand statistically that they should have spent more time on the four-point question than the one-point question, understanding yep. it has four times the value. Right. And even mm-hmm. though it's at the end of the test, yeah. you need to be logical mm-hmm. and flip through the test and go, let me start where I can get the most points and then get all the easy stuff done first because statistically I will get a higher grade than if I move through it without strategy. Right. And that mathematical mm-hmm. mindset is just left at the door. Yeah. Right. And they're like, get those words out of your mouth. Like yeah. don't be talking what about What do you know about numbers? numbers? Yeah. Or even when kids when like a student last week was like looking for a math teacher. Oh, I need help with this exit ticket. I'm like, oh let me see it. She's like, oh you can do math. Yeah, right. I well, was like seventh grade math. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's always mind blowing to like, what? Yeah. Do, do, can pre-calc? your math teachers read? Yeah, like right. come on. <laughs> can they write? They're you're literally adding stuff together and like subtracting it from a total. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, go find a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> singing this time in front of kids and one of the girls goes ugh you're like off key and I was like I know but also ew yeah like gross attitude who are you (laughs) I'm like at least I have all my adult teeth damn how are your baby teeth doing stupid kid So we recently had parent-teacher conferences for the second time this year. Yep. And I believe, Miss Quinn, you've got a nugget to share. (laughs) (laughs) Just a quick nugget, if I might. (laughs) Um, I've realized two things are important to parent-teacher conference through my experience. One is validating parents and how they feel, because something I've learned, especially primarily teaching middle school, is that parents are struggling with their child at this age, because the child is struggling at this age with finding out who they are, what's important to them, the friends that they have, their work ethic, they're lying to their parents, or lying by omission. Um, And the parents are struggling to, you know, be a good parent in their opinion. Mm. And I feel like when they come into parent-teacher conference, the posture they might take is defensiveness, because they don't want the teacher to think that they're a bad parent. So a lot of what I've tried to do is validate the parents' feelings and say, like, I know that you're probably really upset because you know that your student, that your child isn't doing very well. And, you know, I do want to offer you some positivity. Like, here's the truth of their grades. Here's an itemized list of everything they've done this quarter. But also, like, I know that it's really hard for you to be here. And I know that you're just going to get a lot of negative information about your child. And I think sometimes doing that disarms them. Right. Um, and just lets them know that, like, I see you as a person. I know that you're trying your best, and I know that it's hard to raise a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that this is your fault. Because right. I think that parents mm-hmm. don't want to walk away feeling like that they're not doing a good job. I mean, my mom always said to me, like, I always wanted to hear from a teacher that I'm doing a good job raising my child, right. that I'm a nice person, that I'm considerate, that I'm helpful to others. Like, your grades are whatever. Granted, I was a good student, but it's more important that a teacher sees that you are trying to be nice yeah. and that you're, again, your character is there. Like mm-hmm. you're developing mm-hmm. things as a, as a human. And then the second part is like, I, you know, on the total opposite of that, I do want like a break. Like I want a breaking point. Like yeah. 
a, like, I need a breakthrough. I need a child to be upset or disappointed or a parent to have a moment where their exasperation peaks and the kid feels that, yeah. you know, so whether that be tears, whether that be the child shutting down, whether that be the parent, you know, okay, well now your phone is mine. Okay. Well now I'm going to unplug that Xbox. I'm right. going to take that PlayStation. You know, Christmas is not going to be what you thought it was going to be. Right. And it sounds sort of evil, but the reason I say that is because you want to know something that you're saying is impacting them mm -hmm. and that they trust that I'm not just complaining. I'm giving you information that if you don't make a change, the child at the end of quarter two mm -hmm. could be failing for the year, which means they could potentially repeat the grade. So right. if you don't take drastic action right now, it's going to be challenging because the year's only getting harder. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Forget it. Once we get into test prep season, quote unquote, right. and we're hammering these kids with passage after passage about boring things like, I swear, the last test they were talking about refrigerators. Right. Who cares? Yeah. The history of refrigerators. Wait. It's actually more interesting than you think. Actually, <laughs> as a refrigeratorologist. Um, so it those are those are my two things. Salt. <laughs> <laughs> the Iceman cometh. With an igloos and house light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, to that point, one of my uh, realizations after having done this for so many years now was um, I remember really dreading parent-teacher conferences early on, like my first, second year. Mm-hmm because I felt like I was going up in front of a board, you know, like I, I was- like you have to prove right. yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I quickly sort of realized in this world, everybody is like really just trying to do their best, you know, right. and like do their best to raise their kid, do their best to do their job well. So I'm sitting here like nervous, hoping I don't say the wrong thing to like mm -hmm. set off a parent or upset a parent or whatever. And meanwhile, they're coming in, like you said, you know, looking for me to say a particular thing about like, oh, you're doing a good job, like you're not completely fucking up, you know. Um, and it took me a little bit to sort of realize that. And I think that's something that could be valuable to tell first year teachers, like yeah. really don't stress parent teacher conferences as much yeah. as you're going to. Yeah. Because literally you're going to talk to people. Yes. Not like it's not a job performance review. Right. Like that's exactly. not what this is. And if you have that posture, the parent will read that. They can pick it up. That. And they'll let you know what time it is. Right. Yes. Exactly. And that's not what it is. Like you are trying to explain your professional perspective yeah. and how the child's approach in school is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they can take from that what they need. But that's exactly right. right. If you come in looking like you're worried or scared, right. they're going to eat you up. Yeah. Right. Um, just to piggyback off of everything you guys have mentioned, sometimes I feel like um, in my years of experience in this field now as well, like sometimes parents come in with unrealistic expectations mm -hmm. as well. Like kids sometimes have these unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, and but sometimes parents even do even more. Like, oh, my kids should be getting nineties and hundreds right. all the times. And I was like, yeah, your kid's curling out like a forty-five. It's Let's, not in the cards right like, now. Yeah, it's just not in the cards right now. But mm -hmm. then you want to talk about like how far their kid has come you know like right. saying like look at this they started the marking period like they start off with this exam starting off like a 25 like right it's not good but then they went up to a 35 then they went up to a 48 it's like right. like yes they are still below below level right now at the moment but they are making progress and Absolutely. like you have to celebrate that because if you have the mentality of telling your kids like well you're not scoring a 90 then they're always gonna feel like no matter what they do yes. it's not gonna be enough for mm -hmm. you because kids sometimes do it just you know 
please their parents. They want to make their parents proud too. Right. So just telling the parents sometimes being like, just be aware that your kid has made a lot of growth. Yeah. And, and shout them out for it. Celebrate that with them, you yeah. know? And, and and let them know that you're proud of how much growth that they've made. Right. So just, you know, putting putting the parents back inside their own kids' shoes sometimes is quite important as well. Yeah, that's a good move. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that you um, take your experiences as a teacher and mm-hmm. kind of uh, tweak and adjust just the language you use and things mm-hmm. like that. So for example... Uh, rather than saying, you know, no talking, you might say no communicating because then when kids start passing notes, mm. they're like, well, we're not talking, you know, or when they are just listening to someone else talk, they're like, oh, I wasn't talking though. And you're like, all right, so let me semantics. tweak that. Yeah, oh semantics, but let me tweak that to now be no communicating. So there's nonverbal communication right. and whatever else. So in that same way, uh, I've tweaked how I approach things. So I often... Um, when I'm talking to a parent that has an underperforming child or whatever you might call it, I will approach it by front-loading that exact information, that like, all right, so uh, your child currently has a 55, but they used to have a 45, Mm -hmm. you know, last semester. And Mm -hmm. so we've got growth and we couldn't expect, and I'll say this like frankly, matter-of-factly, so that they're like, oh yeah, of course. We couldn't expect them to get a hundred from a forty-five, right? So, right. Uh, this is great. This is good progress. You know, right. ten points is huge. And so you front load that. You don't give parents a chance. You know, it sounds manipulative, but you don't give them a chance to be like, "Well, that's not where they should be." Uh, you just have to say right off the bat, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's ten points growth. That's huge. Yeah. And they just kind of have to agree with you, and yeah. it's a positive. You know, it you're is. framing it positively. So, and, like, I I did the same thing with a student. I was like, okay, and if you can make ten points the next quarter, I want you to get a C. I'm going to set a reasonable expectation for right. you. I need you to have a seventy-five. Right. Because why, mom? Then quarter four, he's got an eighty-five. Yeah. Right. And then we're where we need to be. And that's right. actually how life works in general. Exactly. You don't just wake up as a prima ballerina. <laughs> your little self is four years old, putting your slippers on. And your little tutu until you're 17, and now you can perform at a level that is impressive. Right. right. And if you don't teach your child that practicing is an ongoing process, mm-hmm. yeah. then they're just going to think, well, I didn't hit the mark, and so I can't. Why yeah. even try? Why right. even start? Right. And the motivation gets lost when really you just need to say, like for us, like I wasn't always an amazing teacher. Yeah. No. And I, I say this to my class, I always see second, like, you guys always get the better lesson because after the first class, yeah. I go, oh man, I shouldn't have done this or right. I saw they messed up here. Let me just change it. And I try to make my growth a topic of conversation all the right. time to let them see like, I sometimes make a lot of mistakes. And when I do, I'm, I'm talking about them and I'm learning from them. Right. Yeah. I could shut down. Yeah. I could say, oh, this is stupid and I don't like this lesson and this book is stupid. Right. That's the easy way out. The hard right. way is looking at yourself honestly and saying, all right, what's a reasonable thing that I can do? Right, right. right. I, I also like to tell kids about stories of when I failed at something. But Absolutely. Then, like, but then the you question have so is, so many of those. Too. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> this is actually an intervention. This is. <laughs> Do you fail so much? Um, no, but like telling the kids like you failed at something, and be like, what? An adult failed at something? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I've had right. failures. But the issue, the question is like, did I learn from that failure? And is it? And if you don't, if you don't learn from it, then it's like, all right, you didn't learn your lesson. Yeah. But if you learn from it, then you pick yourself up, and become a better person at it too. I mean, yeah, for math, it's just you're gonna make mistakes. Oh, you're going Honestly. to. 
and like the first day you learn this lesson, you're gonna you're gonna fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> it's normal, so don't worry about it. And with school in general, you know, we call them study habits for a reason. Yes. Like they're habits that you have to build. They're not things that you just do necessarily, unless like you've been doing them since jump. Like your parents sat you down at your dining room table and you had to sit there doing math until you went to sleep. Some people, that's their life. That's their reality. But you've got to build these study habits. You know, you've got to habitually go home and start your homework before like you're too tired to get through it you mm-hmm. know and you habitually have to like go home and read through your notes the night before a test or whatever it is right if it comes easily to you then you should be challenging yourself further and all that we all know that right um but for those people that do struggle and like see themselves getting you know 65 75 even 85 isn't good enough for them or whatever um then there's work required you know then there's time spent mm-hmm. you know like you need to now put in the time and figure out what it is you need to do and change and work on and whatever else and develop mm-hmm. you know you don't you don't just have it you don't decide okay i'm going to uh be better at math tomorrow <laughs> like or yeah. i'm gonna understand the readings better tomorrow right you're like just because i decided yeah right you've got to be like oh okay i'm slowly getting the idea behind this gist thing or mm-hmm. right you know tone yeah uh whatever it might be what i just uh learned this year actually it's not something i've ever heard of is you guys in the ela department giving a habits grade exactly mm-hmm. yeah so that's what kids were upset because they're like why did i lose so you're not going to give me the points for not doing this mm-hmm. and i'm like yes because if you did them your accuracy score would be higher yeah. so we are rewarding their scholarly habits right and i don't take their test until they're all done mm-hmm Mm. I flip through it and I go, I don't know. It doesn't look complete. It's kind of like showing your work in math too. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Because now if I'm going to reteach it, when I'm looking for those misconceptions, I can go, ah, you know what? You didn't look at the title. If you had underlined the title and made a prediction based on the title, you would have seen that your summary statement at the end, your Mm -hmm. gist statement, doesn't make sense because it doesn't go back to the title. And an author would never create a title that didn't help you understand the main idea of this text. So then that's my, that's my teaching point. Right. And if I'm looking through the test, then that helps me gather information for my next lesson. Mm. And if you show me nothing, I have nothing to go off of why you didn't get that right. Right. Yep. It's like showing your work. Yeah, exactly. And if you, you know, don't show me how you got there, especially if you aren't a hundred percent there, if you're very close, it's either right or wrong. If all you have is an answer, you know, like I can maybe get you some extra points in a math on a math test. Right. Uh, if you show me your process, if you show me how you got to where you did, and I can point out, all right, it was just this one little mistake. Right. Uh, everything was correct up to this point. Then I can throw you some points potentially. Right. Or is it a, is it a big fix? Is it like a big issue that I got to fix, or is it just like ah, just a small little thing? Right. We'll just spend a quick little review on it. Boom. Right. Done. Now yeah. next time you won't make this error from ever a teacher's again. perspective. Yeah. yeah. Like it helps us obviously tailor our uh, instruction. Like we if we know right, we right, fucked right. up. Yeah. And I think what's really nice, I always try to, whatever text they're doing, I genuinely go through the work. And I know another teacher at our school does the same thing. She'll take the entire test with the kids, annotate, do everything. So then when I show them, like, my work looks better than all of your work. Not because I'm trying to impress you or I think I'm cool. It's because I'm a stronger reader and writer because I practice these habits. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm showing you because look at yours and look, yours should be better than mine because you're learning it for the first time. I can understand a seventh grade level text. Like, right. I don't need to do all this, I'll get it even if I breeze through it. But I genuinely work through text this way because it's a helpful strategy. Mm-hmm. So we went from parent-teacher conferences all the way to showing your work. Show mm-hmm. your work. Show your work. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, 
trying to get uh trying to get parents to understand that um you know we ex what keeps clicking what is that is that you d <laughs> what are you oh, doing he's been clicking something under the table i saw him <laughs> right. uh, it's the refrigerator yeah i guess it probably is it's probably getting really excited <laughs> that we talked about the refrigerator article from <laughs> yeah earlier. exactly okay, let's get more about the refrigerator <laughs> my ancestors <laughs> <laughs> yeah. somebody mentioned the history of the refrigerator <laughs> Um, (laughs) um, no but it's uh you know it's getting parents to realize that there is a process involved so it's it's them going from the 45 to the 55 to then maybe the 65 Mm -hmm. skip 65 Mm -hmm. go to 75 go to 75 right it's showing that there is a process it's not it's it's habits that have to be developed it's not something that changes overnight you can't just be like why can't you get this like you can't just be like pay attention in class oh okay like all right i guess i will now it's not just taking down notes right you got it yeah it takes practice all these things take practice right um and even for a parent like from as an from adult perspective it's easier for you because you've learned this shit already you know right i mean i remember there were teachers back when i was in school saying this is so easy how come you don't get it i'm like well no no shit you 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 do this every single day like you right. know how to do your taxes right, right. yeah like, you learn this of course you know trig i mean you literally teach trig so yeah, right, right. <laughs> you learn this x amount of years ago yeah. and crystal like, clear much I'm yeah like, exactly like, no <laughs> if you're my trig teacher listening and like i still like you <laughs> <laughs> right um the other thing is uh about parents and their sort of uh misunderstanding of what we're meant to do yeah mm-hmm. and students sort of misunderstanding misconception of what we're meant to do as well so for example if somebody gets pushed and pushes that person back and now i'm uh disciplining both of them you know the student who originally got pushed is like oh well you know my dad says i can push back if i get pushed yes well then i guess you won't get in trouble with your dad but you're getting in (laughs) trouble trouble here here. like with me because that's not my philosophy Mm -hmm. and it's my classroom but i think that's also realistic because you need to know how to act in different spaces right Mm -hmm. like i know when you go to your grandmother's house you don't demand you know the remote for the the tv right and you take control of everything Mm -hmm. like she's going to call the shots. Or when you go to your cousin's house, when you go to your neighbor's house, you're going to follow a certain set of rules in different spaces. When you're on public transportation, you're going to follow a certain set of rules. So that is important that you can figure out how to behave in certain environments. But then the the kids do figure that out because they figure out how to work with certain teachers and who can be pushed to a certain limit and who won't. Mm -hmm. Because I see that for me, like I'm very strict. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I come for kids that are not used to that, I'm a bad guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's fine with me. Yep. That, that fits me just fine. Mm. But it's because that other person is not holding the same standard as I am. Mm-hmm. So they figure they can get away with this. But if I see it, I'm not going to have it. And so they are figuring out how to work in different spaces. Right. Sometimes, like, if, if I, I can't tolerate, like, noise at all. If you're clicking a pen under the desk, I'm going to yeah. look r- right at you. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, sorry. Because they know. Mm-hmm. Right. Meanwhile, in other classes, they could be hanging from the rafters, yeah. and some teachers are okay with that, or some teachers don't have that management to figure out how to navigate it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I set my standard at a certain place where I'm like, no, everything bothers me. And I blame yeah. myself. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm OCD. I'm type A. You know that I can't have papers on the floor. Mm-hmm. When you have this all over the place, and when you throw your pencil on the floor, you throw a piece of an eraser, I'm going to make you go get it. Right. Because that's where I'm at. Yeah. And then you move into a different class, and you'll trash it. Sure. 
or in the same room with a different person, you'll trash it right? Mm-hmm. because you know what you can get away with. Yeah. So they're also just, they're figuring out what the boundaries are. Yeah, Correct. that's true. And, and also, are you going to challenge my parent? Right. Because I've had that interaction where a parent will be like, what do you know you're not a parent? Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm like, yeah. you're absolutely right. I'm not pretending to be a parent. I yeah. respect you. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to tell you where I stand as a teacher. Yeah. Right. And this is how I feel about a teacher. I love your child. Mm-hmm. I'm here for them. I support them through thick and thin, through the mm-hmm. attitude and everything else. Right. Yep. But ultimately, this is my standard. And when you don't assert that with a parent, mm. they're going to think they can walk all over you too. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And I knew this. I got the jump on a parent recently. <laughs> and I was warned about this parent. Um, I texted this parent a couple days before the parent-teacher conference. And I said, hey, just want to let you know, your student blank has a ba-ba-ba. They have this in homework, this in quiz. They're missing these assignments. I really hope to see you on Thursday so we can go into more detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the parent responded, you know, thank you so much. I'll definitely see you. Soon as I see this parent at conference, I wave them down. Hey, how you doing? Are you about to come to me? Make sure that you sign in. I really want to speak to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm already getting the upper hand in the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sit down. I You're present the piece of paper. Everything. Yep. And yeah. I'm covering my behind because right. I already know her approach. Mm-hmm. So I'm covering. I'm sorry. I present the paper. And her first response was, well, why didn't you text me? I said, I did text you. Yeah. I said, in fact, you responded. And then she hit me with the, oh, mm. Okay, as I was saying, yep. let me do my little thing. I'm going to circle the grades. I'm going to tell you what's going on. Ba 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 ba. That parent had no defense, right? Because mm-hmm. my offense was, was preemptive. So tight, right? yeah. It was so tight. Um, and isn't that really the goal to just paralyze parents? <laughs> that's what we're here for. That's what we're here. Manipulation. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. but but that's 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 figuring out how to work with certain people in certain capacities. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So D and I shared a room during parentage conference. So. He would start with a parent and then pass them over to me. And I'd be like, and D, he would do the same thing. Like, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping, but I did hear that Quinn said yada, 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 yada. And I'd be like, I noticed that you're also failing math. So can we talk a little bit about your habits? Can we talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, your preparation for class? Because yada, 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 you know, so you're able to use what's going on. Because in general, if it's happening in one class, it's happening in another because that kid is that kid no matter where they go. Now they might turn up in other places. Mm -hmm. Like I find that like a parent will be like, well, you know, my kid likes your class. I'm like, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like certain people who have a crazy attitude or do whatever, if they do well in my class, I'm like, okay, I'll take that as a compliment. But also I want to talk to you about math. Mm -hmm. Look at your grade in Spanish. Look at your grade in science right now. Because I have you as a student, not just as an ELA student. Right. So I feel blessed that you have like the highest grade in my class. But realistically, if you want to make honor roll, I need to see 80s everywhere. Right. And then the parent looks at you like, oh, like you actually looking out for my kid. Right. Mm -hmm. Not just to like cover your own subject area. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, to let that parent know like, no, I want them to do well overall. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm glad that they're excelling here, but you know, maybe I can let you go early so you can talk to these teachers and see what's up. But I guarantee you. It's because they don't, quote unquote, like the subject or like the teacher, which is just, that's not really a possibility. That's not realistic. And And that circles back to that holistic approach that we were talking about. Like, and you know, this has been said on uh, the podcast before. What do you teach? Mm -hmm. I teach students. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't teach math or ELA. Mm -hmm. I teach students. And that also goes back to that second curriculum thing. The character education right when we talk about like other subjects and how the kids are doing there it just makes us seem like we're in sync like it's not just right d just focuses on math right d just does just does this and it's like oh like you know my kid how how they like how they do in science how they do in ela yeah and you're aware of that and it just seems like 
that the seventh grade team or the sixth grade team or the eighth grade team or whatever team it is is in sync Mm -hmm. it's a cohesive unit and communication is very tight right um because you don't want to like something sometimes kids will try to play adults off one another but like oh so and so does Mm -hmm. this so and so does that but when you are in lockstep with that with that other person Mm -hmm. they're not even going to try to play that game anymore because they know they've lost that one already and unfortunately sometimes you do have teachers that sort of uh believe kids yeah Yeah. or like lean into that like oh well uh, I'm the nice any- one. Or- yeah, I don't know anything about that. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know what so and so does in their class, but like right. this and that, whatever. Um, rather than like, well, you know what? I'll have a conversation with them and see. Like, right. you, know. you don't want to come off aloof to the kids, or even more importantly to the parents, right? Especially getting mad just thinking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks for coming out, guys. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. Happy Thank holidays. You. Yeah. Make your resolutions. Stick to them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get your gym membership. Don't cancel in February. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm going to enjoy the long drive back. All right. Excellent. See mm-hmm. you in two days. All right. yep. <laughs> See you in two days. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to episode five of Teacher Breath. If you like the show, then please feel free to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might be listening. Special shout out to the now 11 people that have already given us the five-star rating. Thanks so much for the support. If you'd like to contact us with any questions or thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at teacherbreathpod at gmail.com, and with your blessing, we might even read your comments on the show. Alternatively, you can leave us an actual voice message by following the link at the bottom of the show notes for this very episode. You can see us in action by following us on Instagram at TeacherBreathPod, spelled just like it sounds. If you know someone that you think might like the show, then tell them about us and help spread the word. Thanks to those of you who already subscribed. We've got some exciting things coming up, so be sure to look for new episodes every two weeks, wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, don't forget to breathe.